It is good to see you, friends. I know we've been chit-chatting a bit as we're waiting to get started, um, but I'm so glad that you're joining us here. Uh, we did not expect that we would be leaving our in-person gatherings so quickly uh, and heading back here virtually. Um, and I know, uh, of course, this is something that's been really important for this community to take seriously. And as we were discussing before, even though uh, the Omicron variant uh, seems to be more transmissible, but less severe, um, this is still so important for us to do the best that we can to stop um, transmission of a pandemic that has just ravished this entire planet. So. Uh, New Year is a time where we get to step back and think about our solidarity with uh, all people. And it is such a great way for us to do that by taking space and meeting here virtually. Um, so thank you. And welcome to 2022. It always takes me so long to get that date right, even as I'm writing things down. Um, but uh, I'm really glad to be here with you in uh, the beginning of 2022. And even though we're meeting virtually uh, because COVID's still a thing that's, uh, that's spreading so wildly right now, I am hopeful that this year is going to be different than the last two that we've had. Um, and so I hope that you'll join me in that, uh, that hopeful mindset as we come together as a community of faith. And, um, and this is also, as we talk about the new year and new beginnings, um, this is a great opportunity for us to rethink and um, reimagine what it means for us to be Central Avenue Church and what it means for us to be a community of faith in this um, unbelievably complicated world. Uh, so I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but of course the elders and staff will be in conversation about that. And I hope all of you will join us in that as well, because we are only Central Avenue Church because of your involvement and um, your commitment to this community. So thank you again for doing this and being here. Um, as we open our service, uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? God of hope and grace, God of time and beginnings, God of seasons and ends, we come to you here gathered from places all around this country. We're thankful for community, we're thankful for the space that you've given us here. Be with us, be in our hearts, inspire us as we look forward to a new year, as we create new beginnings. Allow us to be your people here in this space, showing justice and wholeness and truth and love. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I wanted to share a brief liturgy for the new year. And there's just one part that has a response as we very first open. And I'm gonna share that here in the chat. Um, and 
Uh, and then it just is a collection of a couple of <clears throat> prayers. Um, this comes from the uh, Catholic diocese uh, in, um, in Washington, D.C., is where this originated. And uh, as I was reading through, uh, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed and thought would be um, helpful and resonate with us here in this community. So uh, would you join me in prayer, um, starting with this brief responsive piece that I just shared in the chat. Let us praise the Lord of days and seasons and years saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Our lives are made of days and nights, of seasons and years, for we are part of a universe of suns and moons and planets. We mark ends and make beginnings, and in all, we praise God for the grace and mercy that fills our days. <clears throat> Remember us, O oh God. From age to age, be our comforter. You've given us the wonder of time, showing your presence in days and nights, seasons and years, blessing all people at the turning of years. Pray that you fill the months ahead with bright hope, a bright hope that is ours in the coming of Jesus. You are our God, living and reigning. Amen. I wanted to end with words that are um, probably familiar to you, um, but this is uh, a prayer that has been, uh, I think, near and dear to my heart and is one that over the years has been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Now we'll turn to uh, communion as we do each week. So if you have not had a chance to, there we go, uh, to grab elements for that, um, please feel free to do so. Andrew, I think I heard you uh, say that uh, you have some Christmas cookies on hand or something like that. Yeah, there you go. I still have some Holly crisps, lots of, lots of sweets in this house. So uh, communion will um, follow suit. <laughs> Um, but whatever it is you have, uh, please, please feel free to use it as your elements as we um, move into this time. Um, it is a weird time, uh, not just because of the state of the world, but just e even in a more quote unquote normal year as whatever you define <laughs> normal to be. Um, this time between, um, you know, the end, all the festivities and the, and the end of the last year, and then we're at the very beginning of this new year with, uh, you know, hope and anticipation, um, yet recognizing that just because the calendar changed, right, uh, doesn't mean that um, 
much of anything necessarily changes. Um, and we were talking about a little bit earlier about how we have these constructs, right, of time and seasons and months and years that help us keep uh, time and pace. Um, but in reality, our lives are very much what they were yesterday um, and the day before. Um, so uh, just holding that and naming that in this space, uh, I want I want to remind us, um, we talked about this last week, but it is now the season. Does anyone remember? This will be a little pop quiz. Does anyone remember what liturgical season it now is? Ooh. Anyone? May. Tiffany. There you go. It's Epiphany. Uh, so Epiphany, thank you, May, um, is the season. And let me just be really clear. I didn't grow up uh, understanding liturgical seasons. It wasn't the tradition I came from. This is, you know, recent recent acquisition of knowledge. Um, so if that's you, you're not alone. Um, but it, Epiphany is literally the ongoing. Uh, so manifestation is one uh, translation of it or revelation in some in some translations, but Christ has now come into the world, right? In this Christmas, <laughs> thanks, Anthony. Uh, um, uh, Christ has now come into the world, right? This whole anticipa anticipation and the Advent season, then Christmas comes, love, light, uh, peace, hope, all the representations therein. And so now as the people of God who celebrate, right, liturgical seasons, this is technically a very joyous, um, really happy celebratory season. Christ is in the world, right? How could it not be? So it tracks some of the time of the Magi or the wise men, quote unquote, coming. Um, but again, right, there's this dissonance and there's this layering of we celebrate and we, we hold on to hope and we try to be joyful even in right circumstances that might be anything but that. Um, and so I, I find that that resonates very, very deeply with our own community in that we don't like to plaster over uh, the reality of hardships um, and the despair and the, and the um, challenges that so many of us um, or, and all of us go through, but that we practice joyfulness in some ways and we, we focus on what it means to try to find hope and what it means to try to find joy even in that, even as the world uh, is as it is. So uh, I, I will read a prayer for this new year. It was actually written by Debbie Ford. Um, the author, um, but it's, it was sort of crafted as a new year prayer. So I'll let it be our prayer um, this morning and then uh, we'll take communion. Uh, let's pray. Dear God, on this day, I ask you to grant this request. May I know who I am and what I am every moment of every day. May I be a catalyst for light and love and bring inspiration to those whose eyes I meet. May I have the strength to stand tall in the face of conflict and the courage to speak my voice even when I'm scared. May I have the humility to follow my heart and the passion to live my soul's desires. May I seek to know the highest truth and dismiss the gravitational pull of my lower self. May I embrace and love the totality of myself, my darkness as well as my light. May I be brave enough to hear my heart, to let it soften so that I may gracefully choose faith over fear. Today is my day to surrender anything that stands between the sacredness of my humanity and my divinity. May I be drenched in my holiness and engulfed by your love. May all else melt away. 
and so it is. And with that, as we take communion, we celebrate the life that it brings in death, right? And this light and darkness juxtaposed together um, like the lives that we live. So with that, um, I invite you to take whatever it is you have, a crumbly Christmas cookie over here um, as the bread and the cup and take communion. Amen. All right. <laughs> Dan's in charge of the mute button. I actually don't have any announcements this week. Um, hopefully the search goes down soon and we can re-plan uh, stuff for everyone to get together with. Um, I will pass it on to Aaron now. All right. Thanks, Angie. Um, so prayer requests. Um, words of Thanksgiving. Anybody have something that they want to share this morning? Um, you can always put it in the chat column or you can unmute and just raise your voice that way. Um, but yeah, anything this morning? Hey, Aaron. I hey, have man. a couple of COVID related um, prayer requests. Um, one of them is that we have a lot of people in our lives that have COVID <laughs> yeah, right now. Us too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then the second is Christian's parents, um, are going on a cruise in about a week's time. And I don't quite understand why they're still cruising. Um, but, uh, they, I mean, his dad is a cancer survivor, like they have been so careful this whole time. And so I don't really know why they're doing this, um, especially since the CDC has basically said not to go. So um, I imagine they paid a lot of money and they can't get it back <laughs> or something. So um, just for their safety as they travel, because we're super, super concerned about it um, and don't, you know, don't know what to really say. So, sure. right. Well, I think, as you said, May, we all have people in our lives right now that we're concerned about like that. And so let's let's offer up a, a general prayer, well, specifically for them, um, for uh, kids' parents, but also for all those in our lives that are vulnerable or are currently sick. Let's pray. Loving God, we lift up all of our loved ones, friends and family at this time um, who are um, vulnerable, who are currently sick with COVID. We pray for healing and health and well-being. We pray for this pandemic to come to an end. Um, we pray for um, just hearts and minds to be changed and and that we might be agents of, of love and peace and clarity and reason in each other's lives. Um, give us wisdom during this extremely confusing and difficult time and help us to know how best to care for those in our lives um, that, that, that need to hear um, from us and, and need our support and love at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody else this morning? Right. Well, Max, I'm going to hand it back over to you for a meditation, I think. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I am going to play for you a song that I first encountered, uh, gosh, I guess almost 10 years ago now. Um, but it's called This is the New Year. Uh, it was by Ian Axel at the time, but I think he uh, started a group called The Great Big World since. Um, might be familiar. But uh, I remember encountering it for the first time. Uh, and ever every time since, I usually play it right around New Year's each day because um, it's so joyful um, in, in a sense of like encouraging. Um, and I feel like I was just talking about we could use that. Um, because of or in the midst of or contrary to however you want to frame it uh where we find ourselves so please enjoy this song cheers uh, there's no sound coming out is there This is a new year, we are the voices. 
Well, there you go. Pets, dogs, cats, friends. Uh, such a great encapsulation of celebration and joy. So hopefully that can bring some joy to you today. All right. Thanks, Max. So I had a, uh, a, a proper sermon all prepared for today. And then, you know, after we canceled our in-person service and moved things strictly to virtual this morning, and I had some more time to think about it, I decided to do something, something a little different this morning. Instead of, um, you know, like a classic presentation for me and then a conversation, I, I want us to have more of a dialogue this morning about, you know, the last year specifically and things that happened in the last year that impacted us or affected us in different ways. And I kind of also just want to hear from you about, you know, what, again, what the last year meant to you or, or how it affected you or where you're, <laughs> how you're currently feeling and where you're at with things and, you know, just sort of a, sort of do a, a check-in as well. But um, I, um, I, I guess I really want to have more of a dialogue this morning about what the events were that really impacted you this last year. And I'll, I'll begin by sharing um, my, my thoughts on that. And then uh, hopefully we can have kind of a, a conversation and, and hear from a variety of us. I, I think the events this last year that really impacted me most, um, and there were many, <laughs> uh, but I, I, think the, I think there's two that really affected me the most. And it was the January 6th uh, attempted coup at the Capitol and the ongoing anti-vax movement, which is causing so much suffering and death. I, I think both events are related and part of an increasing tribalization and balkanization of the world into smaller and smaller mutually hostile groups, each with their own definitions of reality and facts. And uh, I, was, I was reminded when I was thinking about this um, over the last 24 hours, I, I was reminded of this quote from uh, uh, Hannah uh, Arendt. She said, in an ever-changing, incomprehensible world, the masses had reached the point where they would, at the same time, believe everything and nothing, think that everything was possible and that nothing was true. I'm going to read that one more time. In an ever-changing, incomprehensible world, the masses had reached the point where they would, at the same time, believe everything and nothing, that everything was possible and that nothing was true. I, I think that, in a lot of ways, represents the psyche of, of our crazy world right now. The question, of course, becomes, what can we do about that? How do we respond to such a world? Well, I, I think we need to set our expectations low. <laughs> um, this is kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, set our expectations low and not think that we're going to change the world on a grand scale. Maybe that sounds pessimistic, but I don't think it, it really is. I think we can focus on trying to do the best we can at affecting positive change in our small circles of friends and family. I also think the need, the need right now for a community and a tribe, a place to belong, uh, a group of friends that can keep us moored in reality uh, and help us feel not so alone and uh, in, in this extremely confusing and alienating world. Such a community is so important today and maintaining those bonds is perhaps one of the, one of the only things we can do 
in, in response to the craziness that's happening all around us. And I'm not just talking about attending a church because that's too myopic. And, and I think meaningful community can happen anywhere and take a variety of different shapes. I'm talking about having friends that can keep us grounded and feeling understood and loved in this insane world, in this, in this incredibly confusing time um, where reality itself feels upended from one day to the next. That this, I think, is one of the most meaningful things we can do for ourselves and others uh, at this time. And yeah, that may, you know, that seems like a small thing maybe, but I don't think it is. I think we need to learn to think in, in smaller ways about the world. Um, otherwise, we'll get overwhelmed and discouraged by the sheer scale of the problems. Maybe that, maybe that, that discouragement is somewhat unavoidable. We're going to feel discouraged and, and some despair. But, but I think if we focus on how we can be agents of change and love in our small circles of friends and family and within our own immediate surrounding community, I, I think we can feel less powerless. I, I think we can feel less alone. Um, that's, that's my theory, at least. And that's how, how my thinking has evolved over the last year um, as a result of the things that have happened um, out there and also, you know, in, in my immediate circle. But um, those are my thoughts for today. Um, again, I don't have like a, a, a long presentation or, or a verse to give you, uh, uh, but I want to I have more of a, a debrief about the last year and, and maybe, um, I don't know. So, you know, I, I, I'd love to hear what events um, that, that happened over the last year really impacted you. They can be personal events or events that happen on the world stage to everyone. But I'm curious, you know, what do you think about what I just said and, and what were the events that really shaped your life or your view on things over the last year? Does anybody want to get us started by sharing? Yeah. Hey, everybody. The, the January 6th thing really messed me up, but it was more of a culmination or a symbol of everything that's happened over the last two years with politics. And there, you know, people are writing history class or whatever about how in the Civil War, families were kind of pitched against families and you'd have like brothers on either sides of the battle. And I can see totally how that's possible now because yeah. I've got family on both sides and, uh, and it's the tribalism is only escalating and I've never seen it like that. Um, and it's uh, really anxiety inducing because it doesn't, you you talk about having friends and family or whatever, but um, and everybody wants a tribe, uh, but it it feels like there's not an escape from that, and that makes it uh, hard to think that the future has any hope hmm. because it feels like we're just breaking apart. So yeah. Yeah, thank you for those thoughts. I think we all feel that way. Somebody else? 
I was just gonna uh, second. <laughs> I was just gonna give a, a star of approval. Well, not approval, but agreement uh, with Jason about just the heaviness of watching what's happening and just feelings. I, for me, especially, it's feelings of powerlessness, right? And Jason, you kind of touched on this is just being like, so many of us can see it happening in real time. And like, we can, we, we have tried and we continue to try to like, you know, pull the levers that we can reach, but at the end of the day, right. It's only the levers that we can reach. And it's not really, it doesn't feel like it's enough to affect any sort of societal, cultural level, economic level, right. Um, change at least the amount needed. Uh, and it just feels like we're like spiraling, uh, you know, to, to a place where no one really wants to go, but no one really knows what to do about it. Or at least those who feel like they know what to do about it don't have the power to. Um, so I, I, I just to relate with Jason, it's been, it's been a dark year. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it, some of the specific um, events named definitely true for me too. But, but as Jason was saying, it's really, they're not, they're not happening in a vacuum and they're not in isolation. It's, it's symptoms of the underlying division that just continue to get more um, extreme in, in the ways they come out. Um, and it's really concerning, um, especially right as I think about my kids and what world they are growing up in and what uh, world they'll inherit. It's, downright terrifying uh some days and trying to figure out it's like okay right it's like the protective motive do i try to shield you from all of this for as long as possible do i pull the shield off and be like you need to prepare for this now because by the time right you're an adult you're going to need a lot of different tools than i did um and that kind of waffling back and forth of like i don't know how to best prepare my kids to grow up in this world. Um, and then the realization of like, I'm sure all parents have felt like that at different points, right? With different things. And so trying to hold that intention, right? Because like if my parents were like, well, it was hard when, you know, we were raising you too. And it's like, well, sure, but it's different. Um, so all that. So just adding my voice. Thanks, Max. Um I, I can go. So I, I agree. I think I think things can feel really hopeless. And when I start to feel like really hopeless about like the world, like January 6th was really tough, right? Um, and so many times since then. But what I try to remind myself to do, and I don't succeed at this all the time, is to remember um, that I have a sphere of influence. And we all, all of us individually have spheres of influence. And I can't control things that are outside of my sphere of influence. But if I can, within my own influence influence someone else their sphere might overlap with mine but it's not a, it's not honest it's not the exact same so if each of us are like creating and they're influencing other people it, that hope or that um, change is going to happen like and I know that like it's not as fast as we want it and we see things like um, like insurrection that seemed to happen so fast and it was like mm -hmm. so big right and yes that's I absolutely it was devastating but when I go back and I look, I'm like, okay, well, I, I know for a fact that I, this person changed a little bit, 
because of because of my influence right and i'm like well then they can talk to this person and i might not see where it goes i might never see where it goes um but i there's so many people who changed my life and they probably never knew and they'll probably never know because i just won't have a chance to tell them um and so I, that's what i try to remind myself and it's not always easy but um i wanted to like say it out loud as just a, a reminder for everybody yeah thanks desiree i and that's why i said what i said earlier i I look at a community even like this one and, and I see people that have changed. <laughs> I mean, I'm one of them. I mean, we talk about deconstruction. What is deconstruction, but it's just a, a kind of conversion and a, a conversion experience, uh, a form of repentance and confession or confession and repentance to put it in the right order, I guess, you know, and I, and I think, you know, if there is a hope to be found for us, I think it's in our relationships and in communities like this, where we can look around the virtual space and see faces of people that that are with us, we're not alone, and people that have changed and grown and gotten better and are trying to do better and are part of the change they want to see in the world. And you know, if if only our hope is that, that's still hope. And and there's 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 beauty in that and there's meaning in that. And it, and I and I'm concerned personally, I'm, I feel concerned that it's so easy to get overwhelmed with discouragement when we read the news and we look at the world and events, you know, and millions of Americans, you know, living in alternate realities that deny, you know, science and that, you know, uh, that, that, you know, are for, you know, armed coups at the Capitol, you know, because of, you know, some whitewashed nostalgic history, you know, you know, it's easy to feel overwhelmed by all that. But again, I think, I think the, the, the trick today, if there is one, um, is to, in some senses, I'm saying, I think the tribalization is not all bad. I think finding a small tribe to belong to uh, and, and influencing, as you said, the circle of friends and family that we have and, the, and being active in our immediate community and trying to make a difference in the, in the relationships and the circles, as you put it, Desiree, that we do live in, I think that's where hope lives. It, and I, you know, it's, again, I think it's easy if we just focus on the world stage and the grand scale to lose all hope. And, um, you know, it's a conscious choice we have to make to, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is tribalism isn't all bad. <laughs> and, you know, communities like this one, I think are kind of being, are kind of the wave of the future. I think, I think churches are shrinking. And I think in some ways that's a good thing. I think having smaller, more intimate communities is kind of uh, more healthy anyway, but Anyway, there's lots to be said there, um, and I don't want to do all the talking. And Desiree, you also put in the chat column that you want to acknowledge as a teacher. I know that my sphere of influence is easier to see, track. Um, yeah, but everyone who interacts with others has a sphere of influence. Amen. Yeah. Anyway, other, other thoughts about this today? Um. Just want to say something about, and I think this is hopeful too, because um, I think the role that our technology plays in where we are right now, I think that it, um, the uh, vitriol that we have is uh, being largely facilitated by social media and, and our media infrastructure that we have. It's not set up in a way to perpetuate kindness and generosity it's set up to perpetuate um, profit and that does not often overlap with what is going to be the best for people's well-being and uh, 
And I think the positive thing about that is that's like a tangible problem that can be solved. Um, that's not the whole problem, of course. I think there is something ingrained in us that has led us to be, you know, the way we are, being tribal. But um, but I do think that uh, the situation has been uh, uh, exacerbated through um, through social media and other uh, other uh, media channels. The way we interact, it is removed and detached and and, and less personal when you're arguing with someone on the internet um, or seeing something or reading something that who knows how legitimate it is. It's just something on Facebook that you're being shown so you can click ads. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not just saying, oh, we need to reform Facebook and that's going to like fix society. But I do think it, it does relate to what you're saying as far as like having personal in your personal sphere of influence and connecting to people on a face-to-face -face level when you can. I think that that can, um, uh, that can get us back to a better place that, that we want to be that will encourage more compassion and patience and listening. Um, and, and still, you know, without, without sacrificing what your uh, convictions are and, and you know you can be progressive and and, and not be um, as angry I guess I don't know <laughs> so that's that's all I wanted to say just if, if that can I'm trying to inject a little bit of positivity <laughs> yeah Andrew go ahead yeah I was just gonna say I, I totally agree with that point and over the last two years like staying home more Nisha and I just like walk around our neighborhood a, a lot and so we've met a lot of neighbors and stuff and you know it like starts with like a high and then we talk about like their dog or whatever and then like I, I don't know there's just conversations that like happen once we already sort of have like a bit of a relationship established even if it's you know just very small and then if if that's already happened before sort of like certain political discussions come up then there's like a lot more kind of like like Dan was saying like just kind of patience on both sides and and I know like I think some people would say like yeah, well, we shouldn't be patient about some stuff, but I do think that, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's encouraging to me, I think, having a little more face-to-face -face interaction with neighbors in the last couple of years, just like seeing that a conversation can be a little more um, productive in a smaller outside of, social media way um and we you know maybe both sides leave still thinking what they believing what they believed at the start of the conversation but um it seems like there's i don't know there's some hope there but also i don't know <laughs> i don't know if our society is why we would think in any way that it's going to get more face-to-face -face personal instead of the opposite at this point. I don't know what 
um, would sort of affect that in a big meaningful way. But yeah, I don't know. Just agreeing with what's already been said and, and, and sharing some opti optimism that I've, or hope that I've found in those one-on-one -on -one conversations, I guess. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to me that, you know, our our message of hope as a spiritual community has shifted, you know, as, you know, I don't know about you, but when I when I was growing up and even into my adult years, you know, the message of hope the church would give at a time like this. Now, there's never really been a time just like this, but, you know, in the past, there's always been difficult times in history, right? And and different challenges we faced as a society. And the message was always, well, God's going to return and Jesus is going to come back and set everything right. Or when we get to heaven, everything will be straightened out. And, you know, there's there's a supernatural answer for the world's problems and it's God, it's Jesus. It's it's the second coming. It's, you know, you know this top down thing that's going to happen set and right all wrongs, right? And, but now is this kind of post-evangelical community who, you know, no longer really buys into a lot of that, to be frank. Um, you know, I think our hope has become more about these relation, our relationships and, and as Desiree was saying, kind of our circle of influence and our ability to um, be agents of change or to be the change we want to see in the world. And kind of, um, I think in some ways, I, I think our hope has shifted from a kind of supernatural otherworldly hope to being more about a hope about how we in our immediate circle can be agents of, of positive change and love and justice. And that's tough. I mean, to be honest, that's, that that's, that's harder. I feel like than to just, you know, ascribe all our hope to some supernatural power um, and, and the next world and the world to come. Uh, that's, it's, it's kind of easier to have that hope. It's harder to have a hope that, that we can actually, you know, affect change or be the change we want to see in the world. I don't know. I, I'm just saying that I think, I feel like I'm just trying to give voice to where we're at. And I think that's where we're at. Do you guys agree? I mean, um, does that make sense? What are your thoughts about that? Our hope or how hope has changed for us? Maybe do you, do you see that? Do you see that shift, I guess. Um, I've been sitting here trying to think of something positive to say. Um, <laughs> The entire time that people were talking. Um, and yeah, hope has definitely shifted, I think, in my mind the last couple of years. And one of the things that has kind of become more clear is that all, I mean, this is going to sound so New Year's Eve, I think, but, uh, but no, just like we need to do the things we want to do because we don't know what, you know, what's going to happen next year. Like, we don't know when the next pandemic is coming. Like we we're not even out of this one. Um, but within reason, I think it's, it's just, it's, it's having hope in the little things that you can do, right? Like it's, it's having hope and watching, you know, your kids discover something new. It's, we're going to the snow today because my kids have never been. And I'm like, well, why are we waiting? We should just go. Um, and I think it's, it's hope in little things like that. I think that it is for me now. Um, I don't necessarily have hope for the world right now, but I have hope for my little world and all that we can do. 
Um, so kind of echoing what, uh, Desiree was saying in, you know, just like your little sphere, you know, of, of influence and trying to do them as much good as you can, um, in your little world and hope that it affects other people's little worlds too. Thanks, May. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Other thoughts? Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, I've got COVID too, so just throwing that in the mix. <laughs> oh, man. I'm fine. When, I'm fine. When did that happen, may I ask? Um, probably when I was traveling back from Illinois. Okay, yeah. 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 So, but I'm overall, it's pretty mild, but a little under the weather, but otherwise yeah. really fine. One thing that I wanted to add is that when I was back in Springfield, we went to the, the Lincoln presidential library, which most people never get to because it's in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, <laughs> but it is incredible and inspiring because when you think about those times, you re realize we've been divided, this divided before. And the Civil War was probably that time. And um, Lincoln, you know, he did not win the popular vote. He won the Electoral College. Nobody wanted him to succeed. Like, it was so divisive. And then I was thinking about social media. I was like, well, back then, they were brutal to him in the opinion pages of the, of the newspapers. Like, we, we put him up as, like, a legend. And how he was this great emancipator and this great person. But at the time the major newspapers were brutal and they have a whole exhibit of the characters of Abraham Lincoln that you walk through and the things they said about him. And I was thinking when I was walking through it, like, well, back in those days, you didn't have social media, but you only had the newspaper and you, it's the same thing. If you only read that newspaper, you only got one opinion. You know, it's, even though we think you know, it's changed and it's worse. And it, in some ways it is worse because it's instantaneous, but you, but, but, we've been here before and it kind of left me more inspired because it's not we we if we would have the courage to look and see the consequences of that which is 600,000 people died in a war <laughs> and have the the courage to sit and be like we've been through this before where we could not absolutely see um, and what the potential consequences of that could be. I don't know. I think it takes great leaders and, you know, it costs people so much. There, there had to be a huge sacrifice, basically. And then they got, and we, the country got through it and then went on. But I don't know. I, I just, I was back home with family on both sides of it. Like all of us seem to be like, we have it on every side and like trying to find a way forward where we can find love somehow in this. And I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to be hopeful. It's a new year. I'm, op I'm, I'm, an, I'm an optimist, you know, so I, I do think there's a way forward, but I don't know if anybody currently in leadership has the gumption to do it. You know? well, that's, that's a really helpful perspective uh, uh, about the Lincoln Museum and those newspaper articles. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's the same thing kind of happened to Martin Luther King Jr., right? I mean, everybody loves him now, but if you look at what was actually taking place in the media and how, you know, people hated him, I mean, the same people that today would rally around his memory, right? And, you know, I'm saying, you know, people on the right, um, you know, he was, he was, he was hated and there was lots of division about obviously what, what he was doing. Um, it's interesting, Nathan. 
Thank you. Yeah. Some ways nothing's changed. You're right. Yeah. Other other thoughts. Hey, Lakin. Uh, hey. <laughs> trying to find the right uh, moment to chime in because I'd apologize ahead of time. This toddler I have is rambunctious, so she starts going off in the background. So yeah, I've got, I've got Lucy in here with me too, so don't worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> right. So I, I might be uh, going back and forth here, but um, I do want to comment, Erin, um, to your uh, question too about like what events specifically have you know affected you and I feel like the biggest one for me this year has honestly been like just like the whole anti-vax movement um because I have like immediate family members who are of, of that thinking and then Lindsay my wife you know has uh, a couple of friends who are kind of like in that whole thing and honestly it's been I, I feel like on the on the pessimistic side of my personality <laughs> I feel like that's been the hardest thing to deal with because it's just, it's hard for me to like have close relationships with people who just by their words and their actions and what they're saying, what they're saying they don't believe in. It's like, they are really very concerned with themselves. And so it's, um, it's really hard for me to, uh, to respect people like that. And so when it's like in your immediate family, sorry, you know, stuck. <laughs> um, it's really hard for me to, um, to know how to forge a way forward in that. Um, and I feel like that's put, that's put me kind of in like a bit of a dark place with that. Um, so that's been kind of interesting, but I, I will say, I don't know. Um, I got to pick her up. Um, I got to say like, if any of you guys have um, have watched the movie Don't Look Up, I don't know if anyone has seen that, but um, when I was watching that movie, uh, it's it's really funny. I won't like ruin anything. Um, a lot of people find it really dark, also. But um, you know what's funny is like I actually really thought that that movie kind of changed my perspective a little bit and made me a little more optimistic about the future, just in the sense of like. I, kind of how you touched on it, Aaron, about um, just religion in general, Christian religion specifically of like, oh, well, like the hope is just Jesus is going to come back. So like, let's just make everything a wash. You know, that movie kind of did the opposite for me. It was like, OK, well, like if if the world was like just going to end and none of our personal histories were going to go forward, then what really matters? And it's kind of like, OK, well, then if nothing beyond that matters, then the only thing that matters is doing the right thing in that moment, you know, or enjoying yourself in the moment or having love in the moment. And so like, I think in that sense, that's kind of how I've shifted my thinking a little bit is like, maybe I can't personally handle thinking about the future that much, you know, especially in times like this, but if you can shift your thinking to like, well, I'm just gonna do what I can like right now in the moment and I'm not gonna worry about like how that is going to translate tomorrow or a month from now or a year from now, then in that sense, I feel like it kind of um, makes you optimistic because like, like 
there's always going to be corruption. There's always going to be like turmoil that's going to come up to, uh, I think Maitland said, you know, we don't know when the next pandemic is coming. Like there's always going to be something. So how do you keep yourself from spinning out of control? Like, that's the question I've been asking myself. It's like, I, I can't, I can't handle looking at the news all the time and like hearing all these things. So like, how do I keep myself from spinning out? And I feel like that perspective has helped me a little bit. Sorry for all the rambling. I know it's not quite coherent, but that's kind of like where I've decided to set my mind. Cause it's just really hard for me to like process all the heaviness all the time, you know? Oh, totally. No, thank you for that. That was really good. And you, you sparked a thought in me, you know, the fact is it's only, it's only by living where you're living, Lakin, and where a lot, many of us are at kind of with the hopelessness and, and the despair and having to look, you know, inside ourselves and around our, our immediate circle for the hope. It's only at in moments like that, that we can truly affirm life in its depths and have a true kind of hope. Does that make sense? Like if, if, <laughs> how do I put this? It's, you know, it's like something Martin, Lu Martin Luther once said, um, he, he said, you know, somebody once asked him, you know, if you knew the world was going to end tomorrow, what would you do? And he said, if I knew the world was going to end tomorrow, I would plant an apple tree today. You know, and, and the idea behind that is, and this is something Caputo talks about, that it's only when we are faced with utter despair and kind of oblivion itself that we actually really have a chance to affirm life unconditionally. It's only then that we really have a chance to truly affirm love and affirm life itself in its depths. It's only then. Because when, when there's a rosy picture beyond or there's some you know, belief that everything's going to turn out okay and some God is up there who's going to intervene and save the day and be Superman for us, then, then you know, we're not really given the chance to affirm life in its depths or, or love or, or beauty and, and, and life as it really is. It's only when we're faced with utter oblivion and despair that we have that option, that, that ability to take that step of faith and affirm life as it is. And that, to me, is empowerment. Like this, and yes, that's a kind of statement of faith. To, you know, you, you sparked that thought in me, Lakin. It, it's, a, it's actually faith to say, I am going to love life and affirm love and life itself in the, in the face of the abyss. I'm going to look over that edge into the, into the you know, crevasse and I'm going to smile and I'm going to love those around me and I'm going to live and I'm going to love. And that can only take place. That deep affirmation can only take place on the edge of the abyss. And that's where we're, and in a sense, that's what it means to be a person of faith, it seems to me. Um, anyway, that's beautiful. I, that's, that's, that, that's where I'm at with this. Um, now, only now can we affirm life in its depths. Only now can we do so. Um, I think that's beautiful. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Rand hey Randy. Hey. Um, I was just thinking about the whole election being stolen thing and how it's affecting my family. You know, my mom and my brother, typically they're like, so Biden's not president and Trump is and blah, blah, blah. And um, it's just kind of so frustrating that we can't talk rational thinking. <laughs> it's like, um, what evidence is there that happened? It's like facts and logic don't matter anymore. Um, when I was growing up, there was a certain respect and dignity for the office of the president. It's 
just now doesn't seem to be there anymore. And so many of this group of people don't believe, you know, that Biden is president and so much of this group of people do and everything that goes on with that. So it's just kind of, um, um, that's been the toughest for me this year, I think, you know, how it's affecting my family. And I have family on both sides of that too, both liberal and conservative. And um, just try to be loving and patient when it comes up and point out certain things. Although I do, there have been certain things that I pointed out that made them actually stop and think for a second. <laughs> it's just for one second, like, oh, yeah. But um, staying in the moment, you know, looking within and, um, my spiritual beliefs evolving, um, reading the Gnostic Gospels or about the Gnostic Gospels, where it talks about looking within and connecting to the light within you. And um, I think in the Gospel of Thomas, it talks about something like that. Um, I've only read, you know, bits and pieces of it, but bringing forth that which is within um, and connecting to that which is within to others that goes kind of transcends politics and things, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, connecting to the light of the divine within, having an experience with God as opposed to an intellectual knowledge, like it's not out here somewhere, um, but the knowledge comes from experience from within instead of seeking some outside experience with God or peace or light, but going within. Uh, I don't know. That's some kind of, you know, how I've been evolving these days and how I've um, managed to take it a day at a time, I guess. I I hear that, man. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your feelings and your thoughts Mm -hmm. and all that. And I know we all resonate. Um, Well, I think I'm going to conclude us now. A uh, really great conversation. And I, I wanted to conclude us with um, a blessing for the new year. This is from Nadia Boltz-Weber. Uh, and she's great. If you're not familiar with her, Nadia is uh, an influence on many of us. Um, great writer, great thinker. She wrote this. This is a blessing for the new year. And it's a great benediction for today. As you enter this new year, as you pack away the Christmas decorations and get out your stretchy pants, As you face the onslaught of false promises offered you through the new disciplines and elimination diets, as you grasp for for control of yourself and your life and this chaotic world, may you remember that there is no resolution that, if kept, will make you more worthy of love. There is no resolution that, if kept, will make life less uncertain and allow you to control a pandemic and your children and the way other people act. So this year, may you just skip the part where you resolve to be better, to do better, to look better this time. May you give yourself the gift of really, really low expectations. (laughs) May you expect so little of yourself that you can be super proud of the smallest of accomplishments. May you expect so little of the people in your life that you actually notice and cherish every small, lovely thing about them. May you expect so little of the supply chain and the service industry, that you notice more of what you do get and less of what you don't, and then just tip really well anyway. 
may you expect to get so little out of 2022 that you can celebrate every single thing it offers you, however small, because you deserve joy and not disappointment. So I wish you a happy as possible new year. That's Nadia Bolt-Weber and my wish for you too. And uh, much love to all of you and uh, have a great week. And I hope to see you again here next Sunday.